Hello everyone, um, my name is Kiwi. My name is Vignesh. And this is a new episode, the May episode of Coming Attractions uh, with the Asian Film Archive. And today we are going to talk about, naturally, uh, May's programme. And I think if you guys watched last, last month's episode, we actually did mention a bit about what will be coming up in May. And today's, today's task will be to continue introducing what uh, will be happening with uh, Singular Screens, which is a film program under CIFA, which is the Singapore International Festival of the Arts, and it's curated by the Asian Film Archive, um, um, us actually. So, but before that, we actually wanted to talk about a bonus screening that would be happening as an extension from last month's Reframe program, A Time to Resist. So I'll let Vignesh speak about that a bit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this film, you know, it's actually uh, meant to be part of the original lineup that concluded on uh, 25th April, uh, but we re only recently received the uh, the rating, the classification for this, and we thought, you know, let's just screen it as soon as possible, as close as possible to to the original um, dates. So uh, this is a film called Reason by filmmaker Anand Patwadhan. It's a it's a very monumental documentary, probably one of the most important records of the rise of uh, Hindu nationalism or Hindu fascism in present-day India. And uh, Anand Pawadhan is a filmmaker who has, uh, you know, he's really the quintessential activist filmmaker. He's been making films since the mid-70s and he has his roots in, uh, you know, as, as, as an activist himself. Uh, as a student, uh, when he was in America, he actually worked alongside uh, Cesar Chavez, the famous uh, civil rights activist who who, uh, who campaigned on behalf of uh, Mexican-American farmers and workers uh, back in the um, 70s. So uh, Anand's, um, Anand Pawadhan's filmography has, is really a very incisive uh, document on the, the various uh, political, uh, important social-political uh, events uh, in India's history of the past uh, 30 to 40 years. And this film is no exception. It is... Uh, it's, uh, it's a huge documentary, it's told in eight chapters and it's four hours long. And what he really gives you is uh, a span of, of what caused these powers that, uh, to rise up in India that are ultra-nationalist, ultra-fascist and are, are looking to um, silence the voices of people and, and people in society who are um, you know, a bit more downtrodden or who are unable to have their voices heard. And uh, uh, Pawada himself is, his films are also routinely um, prevented from being shown or, or they, they find a lot of difficulties being shown in India, you know, because he's, his work is very incisive, it's very direct, and he's extremely critical of uh, people in, in power, you know, people such as Narendra Modi, the current uh, prime, prime Minister of India, and also uh, people who belong to his party, the Bharatiya Janata Party, and associated people. Um, uh, that are in power. So because of these, uh, yeah, again, very direct um, criticism he has, his, his films find a hard time to be screened. And in fact, there have been cases of uh, people organizing screenings and, you know, they've been like thrown in jail. Uh, and so, yeah, it's something that I think, I believe Reason has not been officially theatrically premiered in India. Uh, his films are often organized in like clandestine screenings. And I think only very recently, it had in its uh, official online premiere uh, in India. So, and, uh, and I don't think his films have been screened in India, uh, in Singapore even. 
So this particular screening we are, we are hosting on uh, 12 May on Wednesday is very special and um, you know I cannot uh, I cannot uh, uh, talk uh, talk about this film enough. It is a very rare opportunity to find out really about these present day forces in India uh, and and all the the uh, subsequent social cultural and political um, issues that are plaguing India today very timely uh, given the uh, current crisis of co- uh, of the coronavirus pandemic uh, in many parts of India which actually if you see it within the context of this film you can draw a lot of threats as well so uh, 12 May Wednesday we'll be screening at 7 p.m. earlier than our usual screenings we usually start at 8 p.m. and it's a four hour film the filmmaker has advised uh, that it be watched in two parts so uh, so as to because there's a lot of information coming at you and you kind of need a bit of time to digest them so uh, it's a heavy film but definitely something that you will not regret watching uh, very educational and uh, informative so that is our special screening uh, that is part of reframe a time to resist that will be happening yeah our closing film so our closing please film. join us that's right and um, moving forward to the rest of may we will be continuing our discussions about Singular Screens, which is a film program uh, under the Singapore International Festival of the Arts and curated by us, uh, the Asian Film Archive. So we have introduced um, two titles from the last episode, NP and the Year of Discovery. And today we'll continue to talk about a couple more titles that we really want to recommend to our audiences. Yep. So let me begin because um, yeah. So I've prepared two titles and. I especially prepared them with a certain affinity to the festival itself. So if people know about uh, Sifa, so Sifa is really quite uh, a festival that is centered around performing arts or you know theatrical uh, kind of like presentations. So we've also taken into that into account and wanted to find films that kind of speak to different types of art forms especially in terms of like dance and theater. So I've chosen here two titles, two documentaries or kind of like um kind of like black mixed documentaries. So the first title I want to uh, discuss is called Overtures, directed by um Louis Henderson and Oliver Mabouf. So they co-created this work with uh this international Haitian uh arts troupe called The Living and the Dead Ensemble. So um it's it's really a work a very collaborative work but it amalgamates like filmed improvisational theater with documentary elements at the same time. So this is one of the I think interesting singular points of the film. So it was originally intended as a documentation of the theater group itself adapting translating and rehearsing the play Monsieur Toussaint by uh, Edward Glisson but then this film or this narrative actually just branches out you know into unfolds into like many different ideas and themes and arranged in interconnected episodes so just a bit of a tidbit of what really this film is about it's set in Haiti and of course this troupe and this whole story is based in Haitian uh, history So the film sets off in a French archive where a young man researches the life of Toussaint in the letters and notes written by this man. So this man, I have to give a bit of background who he is. He is um Toussaint uh, Louverture and a very 
an icon of independence in Haiti, as well as a general best known as the leader of the Haitian Revolution. So simply put, he's like really the one of the founding members or founding icons that um, Haiti Haitians look up to. So with that, with his own history kind of bleeds through the text, performances, discussions, and music performed by uh, the Living and the Dead Ensemble, and then through that we see. Um, uh, yeah, we see actually also not just the rehearsed, um, documented performance, but also the behind the scenes, because what these ideals that this icon kind of like uh, exudes actually bleeds into Haitian culture and present contemporary life. So then we have like just certain conversations that happens in this kind of three parts of film. So like conversations with like younger ensemble members talking about being a citizen of the world instead of being a citizen of just uh, you know, the, the Africaners or like the, the Haiti itself. Where, whereas there are like certain conversations about identity basically, national identity or world identity through that. Then there's also a very prolonged discussion about the West's tendency to appropriate cultural traditions, which of course happened with Haiti, of course with the history of the French. Um, like an example is like how um, these actors themselves were discussing kind of like behind the scenes like white people arriving on the island to try their hand in voodoo which is like this um, this religion that was like born out of the, the country itself so let's mention that all oh, this this is something that will not succeed because it's something that's only in their dna in their blood so there's there's a lot of ideas about nationalism and and anti-nationalism in a way so in an, another sequence two female members actually provided a counter perspective to the history of you know what was talked about in this film um, like um, they're just wondering where the women are you know in this history like even the history of the oppressed eradicates the female counterparts and after all everyone will agree that Toussaint would have gotten nowhere without his wife which of course was not as celebrated as himself so there are a lot of these conversations that are very timely uh, embedded within this this real um, fabric of this piece that that is quite hard to define but I think again it's something that has affinities to theatre making the process of creation and about using archives and the legacies of national histories to talk about who they are today so I think this is a very special I think one screening only and then um, for like people who are interested in a Haitian culture which they might not be familiar with, people who are interested in performing, make, uh, performance making, and just anyone who's interested in a different experience of a documentary, please join us for this film. The, uh, the next film I'm going to be talking about uh, also shares certain uh, affinities in terms of performing arts. This one is uh, one of our two films, uh, two Singaporean films. Uh, this one in particular is by Liao J. Kai, and it's called Light of, Light of a Burning Moth. Uh, it's a film that really combines uh, cinema and dance in this sort of subgenre, uh, commonly known as dance film or dance cinema in, in some circles. So I uh, really, really like to uh, highlight the work of Liao Jiekai here. Um, he's one of my, uh, personally one of my favourite filmmakers uh, from Singapore and also from the region. And this is actually his fourth feature film. Uh, he's also had uh, worked across different platforms. He's made short films, video installations. Uh, so he's been in the, the white cube and the black cube, as, as, you know, as it were, uh, both in the cinema space and also in gallery spaces. Um, 
in, what I like about him is that he's a filmmaker who's constantly experimenting with the form, whether it's uh, pushing the plasticity of cinema itself or film itself, or whether it's about um, you know playing with the narrative or structural boundaries of cinema. So in a particular era of his of his work, he was really toying with you know film as a medium. You know he would uh, he would film on expired film stock, or he would uh, scratch on them, or he would you know use make us aware that what he's uh, playing with is film itself. So he, you know, he, he did a lot of works on 16mm film and so on. In his uh, past few years, he's been very interested in dance as a medium and how he can use cinema to capture or, or even just um, combine with movement itself. So he's, uh, he's done a couple of short films and actually his uh, most recent feature film, Far Away My Shadow, Shadow Wandered, it's also a dance film and that premiered last year uh, at the Singapore International Film Festival. Um, so this, this uh, film that I'm talking about now uh, is actually, I believe it was done almost uh, back to back. Uh, and it was done while he was uh, pursuing his master's in, in film in the Tokyo University of Arts. And this university is quite special in that its film students uh, are able to actually do feature films. And this is something that was made you know, under the auspices of the university. And um, it is uh, he, he. So the the kind of main uh, plot of the story is uh, we see two performers, one a dancer and the other person is a sort of an actor and a movement artist of two d different generations. Uh, the younger uh, performer is a is a woman. She's a dancer, and she is uh, kind of sending these correspondences to this older male uh, actor who is you know towards the last leg of his career and also perhaps even the last leg of his life. So they, they share these wonderful correspondences uh, reflecting on their life, their art, and through that they are almost um, coming to terms with certain traumas in their life. For the dancer, she's coming to terms with the loss of her mother uh, who has disappeared. And for the older man, he's, he's coming to terms with you know, the end of, uh, uh, of a certain era for him. And, and through these correspondences, they, there's a certain healing process, there's a certain realization process. Um, and, and a lot of this is portrayed through, of course, the text, uh, the, the writing, but uh, a lot of the action uh, and, the and the emotive quality of the film comes out through the movements. Uh, and and Jekai uh, captures this really beautifully through a lot of very static shots. And you just see people, uh, the, the actors, seamlessly moving from uh, you know, normal, uh, sort of natural acting into stylized movements and um, the grace and, and, and the fluidity of such movements um, really come across very beautifully uh, through, through the power of cinema. So this is a film that I would highly recommend. We have two screenings of it and I believe the uh, film, the screenings are being filled up pretty fast because you know, support for our local cinema is, is very encouraging to see. So. That's something I would recommend. Light of a Burning Moth by Liao Jiekai. Yeah. Okay, so next up, back to me. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to continue this, actually this thread about theatre making and movement and dance uh, with this film, my next recommendation. It's a film called If It Were Love by Patrick uh, Chiha. So this is a film that was actually a documentation of a performance uh, called Kraut. Uh, directed by uh, choreographer-director Giselle Vienz, um piece. So 
it's some it's, it's quite interesting because it's actually something that was presented at CIFA itself two years ago in 2019. So of course that was one of the interest points of why we decided to pick up this film because um, yeah it was a nice kind of like like um, tribute to the main kind of like performing arts programming as well and how cinema can kind of come in and even provide a different perspective. So talking about dance, talking about movement, I think this film really captures um, um, this this essence of it. Um, it's the play itself. Uh, if people don't really know, it's inspired by the techno rave scene of 1990s Berlin, and uh, it unleashes this like cathartic power of um, like 15 young um, dancers who perform as uh, like well clubbers um, uh, at an open field rave party. So, if anyone has watched this. Um, this performance live, which I actually had the chance to do it myself, like it really is like this time capsule where like peop uh, the dancers actually you know like play with like slow motion with the different tempos and pulsating um, you know like beats that really defines the movements of this. And of course, within this whole performance, there were a lot of like moments of intimacy, moments of aggression that that really uh, kind of like. Um, magnifies when you watch it. So imagine when the camera has the privilege to go up close to this performance. So you actually see every single pulsation, every moment that is, is amplified by the, by the camera's uh, lens. And then with that, with this intimacy, this film is a bit special because it you know, kind of like blurs again live and art when it gets to go behind the scenes again. Uh, with this film to really document the performers themselves, which in the backstage they talk about how you know maybe they they find it a bit hard to withdraw themselves from the characters of the performance, you know about like their own sexuality as well, about how they kind of like um, lived in that moment on stage where when you know, like there are moments where the performers might kiss or might not kiss. I mean it depends on each performance actually, and then they talk about that specific moment that tension that happens. So it is also a real, I think, homage to performing as well, especially like live performers, having to go through a certain process that they leave themselves on the stage and then how do you kind of recollect yourself when you go backstage and, and process those emotions. So I think this film, uh, well, well, it's kind of like termed as a documentary, but perhaps this whole confessional moments in, in very intimate dialogues could be very much part of the choreography of, of the film as well. So again, I think especially it should be of interest to people who uh, live on the stage, performs on the stage. But of course, for anyone who has watched Crowd uh, doing CIFA in Singapore, I think this will be a real treat to see what actually goes on perhaps behind the scenes. So another behind the scenes recommendation for me, another theater making, performance making uh, inspired piece. And this is our way of curating uh, films that are, have, have certain affinities to CIFA itself. So that is my last recommendation for this episode. Right, so that was uh, If It Were Love. Uh, and you know, on the theme of performing and performances, we've uh, largely looked at human performance. But this next, uh, this last film that I'm going to be talking about will be about animal performers. You think they're performing? Yeah, you see, that's the kind of questions I that we no like. Idea, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so this is a documentary called Gunda, 
uh, by Russian documentarian Viktor Kozakovsky. And it, uh, the star of this film is really a, a pig called Gunda and about her piglets. Uh, and along with uh, Gunda and her piglets, we also see you know, their farm friends, such as chickens and cows and so on. Uh, but unlike the kind of nature documentaries that one might be used to seeing, uh, there are no there's no narration, there's no human um, intervention in the narrative, other than of course humans filming it, but there's no human, there are no humans in intervening in our uh, viewership of these, uh, of these animals. And what you, and yeah, and I really mean it when, we, when, I, when, you know, when I talk about animal performers, because you really start to see their sentience really coming through, uh, focusing on, on, on animals like that for such a long period of time without any really like narration. You really get to see, you really start to see their emotions, you start to see personality, character and so on. Yeah. Uh, and it's all wonderfully shot in like black and white and it's very poetic. Um, so. It is a yeah. It's a very special film in that sense. I mean, everybody loves a you know a good David Attenborough documentary, you know, some BBC nature stuff. But this is unlike any anything else in this genre, and um, there's definitely an e ecological uh, aspect to it. The filmmaker uh, Viktor Kosakovsky is uh, you know in a sense he's he's a vegan and he's also uh, very passionate about ecological issues, and um, the. Uh, executive producer of the film, uh, uh, actor Joaquin Phoenix. He's also a uh, uh, you know a climate activist, uh, an environmental activist, and uh, a vegan. And so they, 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 there's definitely an intention there to to raise awareness, but it is not uh, like in your face. There isn't you know there aren't like facts and figures and pie charts and percentages and all of that. Uh, it's really you know you're you're really confronted with the, with the, the beauty of nature. Uh, and you know, I don't want to spoil the ending, but uh, the ending really makes you reflect and makes you even think, maybe reconsider your dietary preferences, perhaps. Uh, uh, all in all, you know, a film that, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 a very languid pace, but it really sits inside you and makes you want to think about the sentience of these uh, of these beings that we kind of take for granted, perhaps. Um, and, and also related to the film, I also wanted to uh, highlight the work of uh, Anticipate Pictures. They are a Singapore-based distributor. Who are the dis who, they're the distributors of Gunda. Uh, they are a, a, a boutique um, distribution company. They've been around for a number of years. And you know, Gunda is just one of the many films that they have uh, brought to Singapore uh, and, and continue to do so. And you know, it's work uh, of, of people such as, organizations such as this that really enrich our cinema landscape uh, and you know we hope that more of such people will, will come about in the scene and, and provide us with many you know wonderful films that are not just your 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 mainstays your blockbusters your oscar winners um, so you know many reasons to come and watch this film so do check out gunda so of course there are also other films that we did not get to mention in over these two episodes that you should check out. I believe some films are actually sold out at this moment, which is great news to us. Maybe not such great news to you, but then um, there are many, many, many films that are still uh, available for sale. So please go to the CIFA website uh, and over the single, Singular Screens program to grab your tickets right now. And also, 
just to mention, there's also VOD as well for mm. certain titles. So if you are still cautious about coming out to the theatres, coming to the Odom Theatre, then that option is still available for you to watch it in the comforts of your home. Yeah, at least half of the, of the lineup will be on uh, video on demand. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So uh, with singular screens, of course, um, I think there were a lot of topics uh, that that we are conscious of in terms of um, talking about the world right now, the issues right now, and of course, in terms of its affinities with performance, and then with such kind of like heavy themes, but still, still a lot of light moments within this program, we wanted to just tease you with a bit of what will be happening in June, which hopefully would bring a certain levity to your palate in the month. So Yeah. So uh, for June, we're kind of doing this, uh, you know, quite fun, quite a small program. Uh, it's called Seasons in the Sun. Mm. Uh, it's a program that kind of pays tribute to the uh, sunny holidays that we've all lost over the past year. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, some, some people might be traveling, but you know, not, no one's really traveling for tourism in that sense. Yep. Um, so we thought, you know, why not look at some films that really evoke this sense of like wanting to have a getaway Mm -hmm. uh, going somewhere uh, sunny, you know, by the beach perhaps. Escapism. Having yeah. a day trip, you know, these are all things that uh, we, we hope these films would, would bring up. I mean, we're not going to really review the titles right now, yep. uh, but we can say that we are looking at six titles uh, and they'll be from different parts of Asia. Mm. Uh, we've tried to create as much diversity uh, through the countries, but also through the decades. We yep. have films from uh, the 90s, 2000s uh, all the way to a few years ago yeah, yeah just yep. quite recent films yep. so uh, yeah they won't be as melancholic as a song <laughs> you know seasons in the sun yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're also coming with different tones and different um, experiences as well yeah. as, as you would if you travel to a new place and, mm -hmm. and find new, new encounters so I hope that evokes the spirit of travelling within the cinemas even if you can't do it uh, physically in real life so hopefully this program provides a certain escape for you. And with that, um, we will end today's episode, this month's episode. Um, so please do check out Reason and do check out the Singular Screens program and look forward to our June's program, Seasons in the Sun, which we'll talk about more mm -hmm. next episode. So with that, um, I'm Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Big Nash. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, thank you once again to SGCR for, for this uh, great partnership. Uh, go to go to SGCR's website, check out all their podcasts, uh, all their content, um, and we will see you uh, next month. Yep. Thank bye you. bye. Bye.